This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. One-handed catch and a touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealou, Paul Calvisi, and three-time pro bowler Kyle Vandenbosch. So, gentlemen, this is the week of the scouting combine. And no, we are not in Indianapolis. We do have a crew in Indy where General Manager Monty Austin Ford has already addressed reporters. Head coach Jonathan Gannon will do so later this afternoon. But this also marks the, I guess, the unofficial starts to the offseason. The new league year is in a couple of weeks, but this is the week, Paul, where you basically have everyone in attendance in Indianapolis. You're talking about general managers, players, college prospects, oh yeah, agents as well, and maybe some behind-the-scenes work towards that new league year of March 15th. Off-season? What is this That's true. off-season you, you speak of? Has, has the off-season started yet? Has there actually been any downtime whatsoever for the Arizona Cardinals? Figuratively speaking. Yes, as we speak, uh, there's heavy construction going on above us here at Cardinals HQ, the Dignity Health Training Center, and it's sort of apropos, is it not? I mean, there's there's heavy construction. It's a hard-hat zone in more ways than one right now with 30 or so pending free agents with all these draft picks, maybe future draft picks, depending on whether you're going to get rid of guys like DeAndre Hopkins. Monty was asked about that. I mean, you have uh, Bucky Brooks and Mel Kuyper <laughs> with 2.0 mock drafts out today. I mean, we got stuff everywhere. Drew, I mean, uh, Kyle, do you remember your scouting combine experience? There's going to be over 300 draft prospects in Indianapolis. You've got the interviews, which I think is – second most important it's the medical that this is the week four and then of course the television portion which is the on-field workouts later this week I do remember um it it was a whirlwind but um you know I loved it I um it testing getting an opportunity to go out there and display um show how hard you've worked um get an opportunity to compete I think that's what you know a lot of these coaches and general managers are looking for is how you're wired And, and you hear that with um, Monty Austin Ford and, and Michael Bidwell talk about how some of the changes they're going to make, and I know we're going to talk about that later to um, how they evaluate players, how they decide who they're going to draft. But um, you know, you're looking for more a, a person that fits a mold, and will they fit into uh, your vision and your organization more so than how you know how they run, how high they jump. Um, even at times, you know, uh, some of the things on tape, you want a guy that is a football guy, that's a football junkie that you can mold, that is going to be a good team player. Um, so, you know, I think so much is made of, um, you know, a, a guy that runs an unbelievable 40 or that can, you know, jump through the roof. But to me, I, I think you're looking for certain characteristics and players, and a lot of that will come out in this interview process. So, um, and, you know, the combine, it has evolved so much, but it's it's so much more than just player evaluation. There's coaches there trying to get jobs. There's um, networking. There's so much that goes on in this short amount of time. I mean, I saw 
I think Derek Carr is going there to meet with different teams. So, um, you, you know, there's a lot of business that goes on there as well. It is a job interview, and specifically for those college prospects. Now, as we speak here on this Tuesday, the Cardinals have five draft picks, including the third overall. They are projected, don't officially have it, but they are projected to have three compensatory picks based off the free agents that they lost and gained a year ago. But when you look at that number three overall pick, Go back to Monty Austin Ford's introductory press conference. He was asked about picking third overall. I hope we don't pick third overall again. That's for one. The benefit is that we're going to be ready to pick a premium player that's going to be able to come in here and have an impact on our team. Uh, there, there could be calls on that pick. And every step along the way, we're going to do what's best for the team. And so if we get a chance to drop back and pick up additional picks that will help build the team, we're going to entertain that. And Monty this morning reiterated that the phones or his phone is open and available to perhaps move down. Now, how far do you want to move down so you don't get the third best edge rusher or the third best corner? Because at number three, given the number of teams, Paul, that have needs at quarterback and are looking for that future quarterback, you're looking at either Jalen Carter or Will Anderson, the top two premium defensive players, and a lot of people... You mentioned Bucky Brooks, Mel Kuyper, Daniel Jeremiah. They put those two, Carter and Anderson, 1-2 on their big board as far as best talent available. Think about it. Two of the top three teams in this draft have their franchise quarterbacks, theoretically. Justin Fields and Kyla Murray. So, for example, in Mel Kuyper's uh, 2.0 mock draft today, he has Chicago trading out twice. Trading down from 1-2, to two. Houston comes up, gets their guy. They get Bryce Young, who they wanted all along. And then all of a sudden, Chicago trades out. They can't get an offer again, or they get an offer they can't refuse. Indianapolis comes up and grabs C.J. Stroud. So what you really need for the Arizona Cardinals is for one of these quarterbacks to make a run up the board, starting with the combine, whether it's Will Levis, whether it's the kid out of Florida. Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson. Somebody needs to make that Mitchell Trubisky run up the board, right? And then all of a sudden, without ever playing another down and just throwing on air and testing real well, a team gets intrigued and is willing to come up. Think about that. What if, for example, the Cardinals traded from three down to four because Indianapolis needs a quarterback, El Grande, and then boom, those two guys are still on the board. Jalen Carter or Will Anderson, you've maximized and and cashed in your pick at number three and still have the pick of the best player on the board beyond quarterback. There's going to be plenty of time, Kyle, here to sit there and debate whether you want the edge rusher or you want the defensive tackle. And, of course, within the division, it's everyone points to Aaron Donald. You can be a game wrecker inside. But at number three, and given the needs, and basically this is going to be a brand-new team in the image of Monty and Jonathan Gannon, what do they want? How do they see this offense and defense being molded in their image to where maybe it is best to move down to acquire more picks. Yeah, I mean, my first instinct is, um, you know, this team, looking at next season, this team is not one impact player away from competing, from being a playoff team. Um, you know, if if the offer is right, um, I think quantity is probably better than quality at the top of the draft. Um, but the Cardinals sit in a great situation. It's like... Uh, someone knocks on your door and makes an offer for your house you know you list it as make me an offer I'm not looking to move I don't want I want to stay in my house but 
you've got this position where I don't need a quarterback. If somebody comes in and is desperate and needs to come up to number three because they fell in love with uh, the way one of the like Paulie said, one the way one of these guys was slinging it at their pro day, um, you know. Make me an offer. Make me an offer I can't refuse. And that's the situation you're in. And if you sit, Pat, you potentially have two, uh, you know, pro bowlers, two guys that can get after the quarterback, two difference makers in the trenches on the defensive line, something this team also needs. So it's it's a great position they sit in. Um, you know, e- either one of these two players, um, you know, they project to be great impact players, um, you, you know, can get after the quarterback, can be every down players, can be um, can develop into Pro Bowl type players and impact type players and win you games late in the half, late in the fourth quarter. Um, but, you know, somebody somebody will fall in love with the quarterback and they will they will, you know, ransom the farm to try to move up to get to that number three pick so that they can get their guy. I mean, if Zach Wilson can go number two overall recently, if Trey Lance can go number three overall with the Niners giving up three first-round picks, Anthony Richardson, I just did a quick check. CBS Sports just put out a story. The sports books are now installing Anthony Richardson. They're putting odds, him going number one overall. Oh. Think about that. Think about how impressive he might be. Once upon a time, Jamarcus Russell did it. I'm going to throw that football right over them, their mountains, right? Uncle Rico. And just boom. And so that would be great. Absolutely outstanding for the Arizona Cardinals if they could somehow leverage that. And the talk in Indianapolis and going into Indy about Bryce Young is how much is he going to weigh? A couple of years ago, Kyle, it was how tall is Kyler Murray? Now with Bryce Young, regardless of what he did at Alabama and how successful he was, is he going to be? 200 pounds because right now I think he's probably about 190 and 192 and that scares off a lot of teams even despite how successful he was right and you know the reason Aaron Donald wasn't picked higher was because he was undersized and wasn't big enough I mean it's it's stupid to me it's stupid I mean I would be a horrible GM because I would watch tape I would find out how these guys practice and if they're dudes I'm drafting regardless of their measurables regardless of their 40 or their vertical leap I mean if a if a football player can play football and has put it on film and has done it over and over and over throughout his college career you take that guy. I mean, if he's a playmaker, he's a playmaker. There's plenty of track guys that will show up at this combine and just wow everybody and make make the GMs around the league salivate because of how fast they can run, but they haven't done squat. And to Paulie's point, you know, Trey Lance had very little experience. I mean, he he, he had barely even played quarterback in college, and you know the the Niners are willing to ransom their farm to try to get him. And I just think you you you've got to find out who the real football players are, and the only way you do that is not from watching them, you know, run a forty in in tight tight shorts, but from watching their football film, seeing how they played, seeing what they did in the fourth quarter of a big game, whether they you know, were looking for a place to hide or whether they were thumping their chest saying, you know, I'm the guy, I'm going to make the play and I'm going to step up because those are the guys that you need on your team. You can be as athletic as anybody in there, but remember you're throwing on air, whether it's at the combine or at your pro day, and then you're running a 40 in T-shirt and shorts and no one runs a 40 during a game on Sunday. So a lot of these drills – you're just looking for a baseline to compare player to player. But Monty Austinford, his first time as a general manager now running a draft. He was asked back at his introductory press conference what he learned all those years with the New England Patriots. 
every day going to work was a masterclass education of how to build a football roster and how to build a winning organization. There are core beliefs that I believe that I will take from there as I will take from every step along my way that I, I plan to bring here and put my own spin on it and make it the Cardinal way. Of course, there were those seasons, the previous three seasons with the Tennessee Titans as well. And we already get a little bit of a glimpse inside that draft room, if you will, as far as where this process is headed for the Arizona Cardinals. A little bit too late for Monty to put his stamp on how they evaluate players right now. But next season, there is going to be big change with respect to how the Cardinals look at the draft. Owner Michael Bidwell explains on the Day Patch podcast. You know, we've talked about our system, which is about to be our former system of best player available for, for draft and, and the things along those lines. He comes from a completely different system, and I, I would call it the New England system with a little bit of a modification. And that's where they're looking for specific type of players with specific types of characteristics, and they're not worried about what everybody else thinks, and um, we're just changing systems here. It's not going to look much different this year. What Monty didn't want to do is because a lot of scouting has happened, but going into the 2023 college football season, we're going to make that full change as soon as the draft is over, and then the 24 draft will look a lot like a modified New England, modified Tennessee system. Don't know what those changes will be, Paul, but it certainly sounds like as opposed to, all right, best player available, yeah, you don't want to leave talent on the board, but what do we as the Arizona Cardinals want or see in a player, whether it's this season or hopefully 5, 10, 15 years down the road, that they can be the centerpiece of the offense or defense? It's got to go beyond the measurables. There's got to be that fit. There has to be that playmaker on film. One of the best things I've heard is what the GM, Monty Asenfort, told our Darren Urban, ACCardinals.com, before he left for the Combine where he said, you know what, yes, we have a collapsed time frame and you know our coaches are getting on board, but we're ready to go. And then he went on to say, you know what, medical's the number one thing, as you mentioned there, agree. Everyone finds that boring. I get it. And then the interview is very valuable. And then he says, and I quote, the on-field work, the testing, it's another piece of information, but I wouldn't say it's a driver of anything on, what, on how and what we make our decisions to be. So to me, okay, you're going to factor in the measurables, obviously, to a degree. Can they play? Do they fit? Those are the two big questions that you need to answer. And then once you determine, all right, what is our culture? What are the coaches looking for? So this system that's about to be the former system, well, you got to get to know your coaches. And I think there's already a pretty good familiarity, and I think it's one of the big reasons Jonathan Gannon was hired by Monty Austin for, but they have to collaborate and figure out, okay, what does an Arizona Cardinal look like on either side of the ball, each position group? And then you can go out and you can target guys this time of year, and you can go acquire those guys in free agency and come the draft. As opposed to, you know what, this guy's 6'5", runs a 4-3-8-40, and uh, the three-cone drill, okay, let's take him. But he might not be a great fit, and he might not have the mentality you need for the way you play ball. I'll add this as well, Kyle. Do you have the passion for this game? And all the perfect example is Buda Baker. He has the passion to play as opposed to some just play because they're big, they're strong, and that's what they've been told their entire life. But do you love the game? Will you put the work in to be successful on Sundays? That's harder to figure out ahead of time. 
It, it is, and that's why the interviews are, are important. That's why you go talk to their college coaches. That's why you talk to their high school coaches. That's why, you know, you know especially with the number three pick, if we stay there, um, you want to make sure that this is somebody that you can depend on, that you can build your team around. And, look, this draft is vitally, vitally important because for a number of reasons, um, but, you know, you can't, you can't build a sustainable team, and that's what we hear from Monty Ford and that's what we hear from um, JG is, you know, we want to be a good team for years to come. You can't do that through free agency. You can't do that through trades. You've got to draft well. You've got to draft the type of players that you know fit your system, and you have to develop those draft picks. It's something that's been lacking with this organization the last few years. Is Really, it, it's not even necessarily we missed on a guy. It's the development of the players and getting the most out of them. And you, you hear JG say this, helping guys reach their ceiling and not being happy with where they're at, not um, writing them off saying, you know, we made a mistake here, this guy isn't the guy we thought he was, we need to help this player reach their ceilings, and you do that only by finding guys that want to reach their ceilings, that aren't satisfied with being a high draft pick or satisfied with being on an NFL club. They There's two types of players that make your team good. Early on, it's you try to make the team, and once you're established, you try to make the team. You're trying to make the team better, bring other players along with you, provide that type of leadership, and that's the type of culture that they're trying to establish here. Can I give you a real-time example? Look at some of these mock drafts that have the Cardinals already taking Tyree Wilson instead of Will Anderson. Now, Tyree Wilson might be a Hall of Famer, for all I know, but he hasn't even shown up at the Combine yet. Whereas, a Will Anderson just had 27 and a half sacks and 54 tackles for loss in two years at Alabama, two-time SEC Defensive Player of the Year, who was nicknamed by his teammates, The Terminator. So, <laughs> go to the film. Make sure you don't make a mistake, because Tyree Wilson is going to show up 6'6", 275. He's going to look great. But who's the better player? Wilson looks the part, has the measurables, but the production on the field, that's you got to figure out as well. Again, it's going to be a fascinating look this week and the several weeks before we get to the end of April and when the Cardinals are on the clock with that third overall pick. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. And at strong safety from North Carolina State, number 24, Adrian Wilson! Yeah! I always want to try to make myself that guy, being the guy that's going to go out there and set the tone for the defense. Getting blooded up a little bit, homeboy. Oh, yeah, that damn arm went down. I gave him a stinger down there. I want to I wanna hit. That's, that's my job description. I always try to let my play kind of dictate to the other guys, you know, how, how they should go about their business. Hey, boy, I'm going to get you. That ain't nothing, homeboy. I told you, boy. It ain't really trash talking to me. It's, to me, is 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 making my point. Adrian Wilson came over the top and lowered the antlers. You've been wired in to Adrian Wilson. Believe it. A-Dub, longtime Arizona Cardinal. First as a player, then a front office executive. Hard to believe, but the man who could stare you down, Paul, stare right through you. Maybe, you know, a pleasantry or two, as Darren Urban wrote on azcardinals.com. Didn't smile often, at least to those close to him. But uh, Adrian Wilson, now the Carolina Panthers VP of player personnel. That made official on Monday. 
A-Dub, no longer an Arizona Cardinal. He lightened up a little bit, a little bit after well, his playing career. Maybe to some. A little bit. <laughs> but I, uh, I smile. I hear that montage executed so well by our Jim Omohundro, and I just smile because you think of the many different personalities that is Adrian Wilson. The man, right, the very complex human being. There were the times in the locker room during a game week, you'd look across and I'd hold up the microphone like, uh, are you talking today? And he'd just stare you down, like you said, Green, shake his head, absolutely not, get away. I wouldn't even come across the locker room. There were times during games where, I mean, you think of some of the hits he laid in. I think of at Baltimore, the hit on Todd Heap. I think everyone remembers that, every longtime Cardinals fan, just like, wow, okay, that's why you get paid the big bucks in the NFL to take hits like that. And then, you know, just the fact that he committed himself after his playing career, did two or three years where, as he said, I'm a grinder, and he went to work, and he did all the grunt work. Every other personnel intern does, making runs to the airport, picking up VIPs. Grinding all the film. So, uh, look, uh, congrats to A-Dub, not only on an unbelievable Ring of Honor career, but when he's done in his post-playing days, and he appears to be on track to one day be an NFL GM. Twelve seasons with the Arizona Cardinals, a five-time Pro Bowler, same draft class as you, Kyle, as far as it was you in the second round, A-Dub in the third round back in 2001. Yeah, hats off to him. Uh, look, 22 years with this organization, um, he gave it his all. Um, you know, and he, he, he had that calm demeanor after his play career, but you could hear there the way he played. And, you know, we just got done talking about what type of characteristics uh, GMs look for in a player. I mean, he was Buda Baker before Buda Baker. I mean, he, he was flying all over the field, um, hitting anything that moved. Um, you know, uh, offensive coordinators, um, they, they lost a lot of sleep worrying about Adrian Wilson and what he could do to their football team. And then, you know, the, the statistics that he put up and the numbers he put up for as long as he did. Um, what an impressive playing career, and he's putting together an impressive post-playing career in the NFL. Um, widely respected, not just by people in this building, widely respected by people throughout the NFL for his knowledge, for, uh, you know, as you talked about, for his work ethic, the way he grinds, and, the and um, you know, I, you, you, you tip your hat to him and you wish him well, and even though he will be wearing different colors and be a part of a different organization, he will always be an Arizona Cardinal. You, know, you go back to the Cardinals Super Bowl run in 2008, and you think, okay, how did that happen? What was the pivot point, the turning point? And in a lot of ways, it was Adrian Wilson signing a second contract with the Arizona Cardinals. You know, Kyle, early 2000s, Pro Bowl caliber players, they got around contract time. A lot of times they'd use the Cardinals as leverage and they'd go elsewhere. Adrian Wilson said, nope, I'm going to stay right here. We're going to turn this thing around. We're going to build this thing from the ground up, the culture inside out from this locker room. And we're going to put a winner on the field. And, and if you look at when things started to turn, it, it was really in sync with when Adrian Wilson made a commitment to the Arizona Cardinals. And it's one of the many reasons his name is up on that stadium. Well, what's the one word that we have repeatedly talked about with Monty Austin Ford and Jonathan Gannon since their arrival? Accountability. And A-Dub would hold you accountable in that locker room. You need guys in that locker room. And to your point, Kyle, as far as what are the Cardinals looking for? That passion to play the game, the willingness to do whatever it takes to be successful, not individually, but as a team. And yes, Adub has all the individual stats, but he wanted to win here and did get this team to the Super Bowl. And, and it's the way he played, like you talked about. And, and I talked about this last week. There is nothing more selfless 
than throwing your body around a football field. I mean, you're you're not worried about tomorrow. You're not worried about how you're going to feel getting up off the ground. You don't even think about you know what's going to happen in five years when I'm done playing this game. You do it because your team needs you to do it. And it's not always just about, you know, a lot of times you could have a nice form tackle and get a guy down, but the energy it brings when you make a big play, when you, as Paulie talked about, you have that big hit, um, it changes games. It changes the outcomes of games, and it lifts the level of play of every single player. And we've seen it with Buda Baker, the way he does things, the way he goes about his business, and when he flies around the field and makes those big plays. It lifts the entire team, and that's what Adrian Wilson brought to this team as well. A-Dub made it very clear in a lengthy thank you notes on social media that this was his decision. He wanted to leave, and Paul, as you mentioned, there is at some point, whether it's next season or the season's down the road, A-Dub is going to be a general manager. Interviewed for the vacancy here, did not get it, and probably needed to go elsewhere in order to get that spot. So the Carolina Panthers VP uh, player personnel currently with the Cardinals, that is a position held by Quentin Harris. You look at that Cardinals front office with Monty, he brings in assistant Dave Sears, who comes from the Detroit Lions. So you're trying to see who fits within the organization, a different set of eyes, and who is Dave Sears. I think we're going to get to know a lot more about him in the coming weeks, especially this week at the scouting combine. But one particular person who knows Sears very well, Chris Spielman, Lions special assistant to the president and CEO and chairperson, this a while back on Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. He is as a talented evaluator as I've been around. I've been around a lot of them in my football life. He is a team guy. He is a leader because he led our college department. He's a great communicator. He's not looking to serve Dave Sears. He's looking to serve the Arizona Cardinals, probably one of the humblest, smartest football men I've been around. He's a young guy. I think it's no surprise that he was plucked from our staff, people that know him and and been around him. He knows what he's doing, and he's excellent at a talent evaluator. And that's the key, Paul, as to evaluate talent, whether it's college draft prospects or free agents who this team brings in to form the 2023 Arizona Cardinals. NFL.com just did an off-season ranking of last year's draft classes. Lions had a top five draft class. You look at some of the players they got in the, on day two and day three of the draft. Very impressive. You look at the turnaround the Lions just executed, right? At the end of this past season, narrowly missing the playoffs. Think of the degree of difficulty in rebuilding the Detroit Lions. And Dave Sears was a big part of that. And a big part of trying to identify players who have the mindset, what Kyle was talking about. Do they love the game? Do they play the game all out? Do they give you everything they have on every snap? They really made that a focus of their draft classes to find that kind of guy. And so I fully expect that to be the M.O. That's what the Cardinals are trying to do this week. In Indy, drill down during these player interviews. And and I like the fact that Dave Sears has been there and done that most recently, trying to identify those kind of guys and having a very high success rate with the Detroit Lions and what they've been able to achieve with some of their young players in those draft classes the last couple of years. And it's not just the first-round pick, Kyle. That's the pick that gets all the attention. But who are you getting on day three in those latter half of those fourth through the seventh round or even some undrafted free agents that might slip through the crack but you see something you foresee something in them that they can contribute right away 
Yeah, and, and there's no uh, part of the draft where those characteristics are more important than the, the back end of the draft because these are the guys that are, you know, they could be starters, they could be pro bowlers, but these are the guys that are filling out the back of your roster that you need to depend on. And to Paulie's point, um, you know, nobody wanted to play the Detroit Lions last year. It's it's the Detroit Lions, but they were going to beat you up. They were physical, and they came with a certain mentality. And it didn't all just come from the head coach. They brought in players that tried to match the head coach. And I see that same type of energy, intensity, the the call for violence from the head coach. You know, so you can anticipate that they're going to look – for the same type of players from the same type of mold that the Detroit Lions brought in last year. Players that understand, look, football is a physical game. I'm going to have to go out there. Training camp is not going to be easy. You know, week 15, Wednesday practice isn't always going to be a walkthrough. We're going to get after it. And you've got to find those guys that love that, that embrace that. And that's what the Lions did. That's what Dave Sears was a part of. He was a part of those decisions on which guys to take, which guys' mentality matched the organization's vision. And he helped bring them in, and so you've got you you know you can you can see that that's why Dave Sears is here because he has been around that type of turnaround and been around that type of mentality in an organization. Heard uh, about just as much about the Lions at the end of the season, the fact that they did not make the postseason, and one of those teams that no one in the NFC wanted to face. So they are knocking on that door this year. Cardinals want to get back into that postseason. They want to be one of those seven teams that have a chance at the Super Bowl. Interesting to see who's going to be on the field for those games this upcoming season. As we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. As I mentioned, the new league year, March 15th, the starts of free agency. Cardinals have 30 unrestricted free agents. How many of those are priority free agents? How many do we want to see return in an Arizona Cardinals uniform? We've hit halftime here on the Cardinals Red Sea Reports here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Mayfield in trouble, steps up, hit, and sacked by Zach Allen back at the 20-yard line. Allen with a couple of big plays here today. Shotgun snap, Mayfield three-step drop. Has time, throws right side, batted down, incomplete. Zach Allen, boy, what a game he's had. This defense came to play today. They came to play today, and they are balling out right now. Mayfield's going to throw better to the air again, this time by Allen, and it's incomplete. Zach Allen got a hand up. The ball hits the ground incomplete. Cardinals take over on downs. Matt Roll rolled the dice, came up snake eyes because of Zach Allen. Allen playing maybe the best game of his career. Week four at the Carolina Panthers. Cardinals win 26-16. And yes, a big reason why Zach Allen, what he was able to do in that game, what he was able to do all season long outside of the last four weeks when a hand injury kept him off the football field. But for two seasons now, gentlemen, we've seen Zach Allen, I think, take major steps forward in his career. And now he is about ready to get paid. He is one of the 30 unrestricted free agents. Now, some places you'll see the number at 33. But remember, J.J. Watt is retiring. A.J. Green is retiring. Chris Banjo retired and now part of the Denver Broncos coaching staff. So the number is 30. It is a lot, Kyle. But for me, when you look at the names on that list, 
Zach Allen stands first and foremost among all those players. Yeah, and it, it, and it's not necessarily where he's at. His arrow is still pointing up. I mean, you can see him every single year he's been here. He's improving. The game is slowing down for him. He's more of a factor in every game. I mean, just looking at last year, look, his numbers don't jump off of the sheet at you, just his production, but if you watched the games, there's so many times he's in the backfield. There's countless times where – He's got the quarterback wrapped up around the legs as he's throwing it. Um, he impacts games. And, it, it, it again, it's not necessarily his tackles for a loss. It's not necessarily his sack numbers, which have improved. It's it's how he plays the game. And he plays it the right way, plays with an edge, plays with an energy. Um, and, and, you know, we, you got a little bit of a glimpse into the type of person he is from – from the in-season hard knocks, and he's just a great locker room guy. He's well-liked, well-respected. Um, I think that, as you said, of the pending free agents, I think he has to be the number one priority. Um, and and again, with this staff, I would think that they could look at him and see him as a player that's still ascending and that you're going to get more out of and is a guy that can be one of the key cogs that you build, not just build your team around, but build your scheme around as this scheme evolves. Um, you know, under Jonathan Gannon, um, you, you you can you know count on him to do his job and scheme up things to help him be more disruptive and more productive. And there's just the need, Paul, at defensive line. When yep. you look at the current roster, who's under contract, who's not under contract, there is a need on that defensive line. No doubt. Look, we documented this, and I think this is going to change. This is going to be one big change with the new decision makers, starting with GM Monty Austin Fort. Over the last 15 drafts, the Arizona Cardinals in the first two rounds have taken how many defensive linemen? Two, if you don't include Calais Campbell, because that's all the way back in 2008. Think about that. Robert Kimdichie was one, and then Dan Williams, the nose guard, was the other, both very late in round one. So, Zach Allen is a top of round three pick a few years ago and a guy who's had some phenomenal games. Remember 2020 had that game against the Eagles that was historic. He did something only three or four defensive linemen had done. So we've seen and that was minus a J.J. Watt. A lot of people are like, oh, J.J. Watt's next to him. No, that wasn't the case two years ago, 2021. And to Kyle's point, you got to watch the games. How many times J.J. Watt was not in the game? And Zach Allen was still busting through the double team and getting this close, right? The quarterback pressure, maybe a quarterback hit. I can't tell you how many times the first two-thirds of the season he'd come back to the bench and he was frustrated because he was this close to getting yet another sack. And then finally the sack started to come. He started to pile up some of the, the stats out there. But he was creating a lot of stuff and a lot of opportunities for other guys to get home because he was such a penetrating force in the middle of that defensive front. Day three pick, you want to keep those draft picks. You want to reward them if they've earned it, and I do believe Zach Allen has earned that. Where is he on the list of things to do this offseason? On to Michael Bidwell on the Dave Patch Podcast. Defensive line, especially in the NFC West, we're going to need a really good defensive line. And, you know, with the retirement of J.J. Watt, we've got a big hole to fill there. we got to see if we can get Zach Allen re-signed, and, which we're interested in doing, and get that going. And I think he wants to be here. So I think there are going to be a lot of things on the to-do list. Some other names on the list of expected unrestricted free agents. Remember, the Cardinals can re-sign their own 
between now and the start of the new league year. But at this point, you get this close to free agency. A lot of those players are going to see what their market is, their value is on the open market. But Kyle, you're looking at a Byron Murphy, another draft pick. And then on the offensive side, if you talk about in the trenches on the offensive line, Kelvin Beecham, yeah, up there in age, but a solid right tackle. Will Hernandez, who came in and played a stellar guard for the Cardinals in his first season, his only season with the Cardinals. So you're looking at D-line and offensive line, at least to me, with this Cardinals team when you look at your own free agents. Yeah, um, you know, a lot of this, we already talked about a big piece of the combine is the medical part. Well, a lot of it is, you know, what is Byron Murphy dealing with? What was his back injury? Is it something that was just a blip and he's fine and he's good to go moving forward? You know, look, it's got to be a consideration in all the decisions the Cardinals make in this upcoming season. The, The injury situation last year was just out of control. And, you know, to me, that's why a a player like Calvin Beecham, where, you know, he's not the fastest guy in the football field, he's not the strongest guy in the football field, but he was there every single week. A guy you can count on, and and you don't have to shuffle your lineup every single week at tackle. You know, the fact that he showed the heart to fight through injury and played through an ankle injury late in the season when games didn't necessarily matter and he could have easily mailed it in and said, you know, I, I can't play this week. I'm in too much pain. He he fought through that. So, you know, I, I think some of those things will weigh into the decision-making process. Like, you know, is this a guy that we know is going to be there for us at least the majority of the Sundays? Um, but, you know, going back to Byron Murphy, um, you know, it wasn't that long ago the first quarter of the season where he was playing at an elite level. And it didn't matter who the number one wide receiver was lined up across from him. They weren't catching very many balls. And they weren't targeted very often because of how good his coverage was. So he has that type of ability. Um, you know, so th- these are some tough decisions. But I would think, um, you know, Byron Murphy's a huge part of it. Um, Calvin Beach and Will Hernandez was solid. Um, uh, specifically, you know, you can envision this team being really physical in the trenches on both sides of the ball, and that's what Will Hernandez brings. He brought that a little bit of nastiness to training camp. We saw it. Um, he's a physical player. He can open up holes in the run game. So um, he would also be a valuable player to bring back, in my opinion. Beecham, in the last three seasons, has started 48 of 50 games. Wow. And he has the respect of everyone in that locker room. That's just one of the reasons why. To your point, he was really banged up, dealing with multiple injuries the last month of the season, wasn't practicing most Wednesdays and Thursdays, still found a way to get out there, anchor that offensive line, be the lone guy to start on the offense the entirety of this season. You know, Josh Jones was given every opportunity in camp to beat out Kelvin Beecham. Didn't happen. Really wasn't even close. So at his age, I think he's still a viable option at right tackle. you got to look to the future. What is the future of a Josh Jones? Will Hernandez, still a lot to like there, still in his prime. I think the underrated position going into the offseason, the Cardinals might, A, either spend some real money on in free agency or a high draft pick, is center. Yep. I think just the team has a newfound appreciation for what a really skilled, experienced, smart center can do for an offense. And if you can find a younger guy with some upside and many years to come in the league and pair him up with Kyler Murray, especially if Kyler Murray wants to be under center more, or at least the coaches want him under center more, I think that's that's something I, I have my eye out for. And when your head coach comes from Philly, 
who has possibly the best center yeah. in the NFL. Yep. And, you know, they, they had possibly the best offensive line in the NFL, but he was the best. He was the one that led the group. He's the one that got everybody on the same page. He's the guy that can snap it and pull and climb up to a safety. If you can find that type of center, a guy that you can, um, you know, that you know is going to get your offensive line all on the same page, that is going to get them in the right blocking schemes and is going to be able to pick up the blitzes and all of that, that is a huge asset. It's an underrated asset, but every offense, if it's going to function, you need a center that can operate that offensive line and lead the group. A lot of conversations about the roster, what the general manager wants, what the head coach envisions as far as the offense and defense. One more from owner Michael Bidwell as he talked about those conversations on the Day Patch podcast. Number one, we spent a lot of time talking about Kyler and what type of offense we should be running and how to protect him and where we should be spending our money. We've got a lot of money tied up in a couple of different positions. And so I think you're going to see that change. We're going to, I think you're going to see us beefing up the offensive line, the defensive line. We've got to get help at corner. Um, we've got to get a, a, just more protection for Kyler. Sure. And then we've got to be able to rush the passers, especially in the, in the NFC West. Three more positions, Paul. I know you'll keep your eye on these three positions. But for the second time now in the last three seasons, the Cardinals have a vacancy at kicker punter and long snapper yeah i keep an eye on them because i keep an eye out not to get in their way on the sideline do not want to get between the punter or the kicker and the kicking net because that'll be your own demise at your own expense and or the long snapper target practice if you walk in between him and the holder on the sideline so you learn that real quick but look Monty asaborda today at, during the press conference he said among other things as well that isaiah simmons fifth year option they're still deciding they have till may they're going to take their time they're open for business on the number three pick, undecided on the future of DeAndre Hopkins. And so there could be a lot of change real soon in that locker room. It's not just the unrestricted free agents. How about the current players on the roster as well? We continue. We do it every Tuesday all year round. It's the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Your ticket to great seats. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. I have a system that I believe in, and that's where we're going to focus our time and attention. And we are going to use traditional scouting methods. We are going to use analytical scouting methods. And we are going to, every step of the way, check our work, make sure we're not missing something, and continue to add competition to this roster at every opportunity that we have during the league year. Change is coming. And we've already seen it this offseason. New general manager, new head coach, new offensive coordinator. How about just an offensive coordinator, period? New defensive coordinator. Now, just what kind of a roster is this team going to put on the football field? And yes, this week, everyone looking at Indianapolis, the 2023 Scouting Combine. General manager Monty Austin Ford has addressed reporters. Paul, you brought it up in our most recent segment as far as some of the questions about the future of DeAndre Hopkins. They have met don't know the future of D-Hop as far as whether that is here or elsewhere. Isaiah Simmons's future, that fifth round or that fifth year option needs to be exercised by the first week of May or not exercised, making him an unrestricted free agent at the end of 2023. So as we talked about, it's not just those free agents, but what do you do with the current players? 
Yeah, and you're open to business, you know, and, and phone calls for the number three picks. So, look, in a lot of ways, it could be 52-car pickup. You're throwing them out there, and you're going to figure out how this all fits. In fact, if you're the coaches, the roster is so wide open, I'm not sure if you even know what you want to run yet. If you're truly that adaptable as a staff on both sides of the ball, what is the identity of this team? What is the strength of this team? How do you cater to the players? It's almost impossible right now because – it's such an unknown. What is this final roster going to look like? So, look, as far as D-Hop goes, and if you can cash that in for like a low first-round pick or a high second-round pick, and I think you can argue all day long, look what some of the premier wide receivers, number one wide receivers have done for some of those teams who are real close to competing. For example, I know the Cleveland Browns are all over DeAndre Hopkins right now to pair him back up with Deshaun Watson. So we'll see how that goes. But when Jonathan Gannon said in his last meeting with the media that he had yet to talk to D-Hop, I think they need to decide his future first and where he fits second. And then complicating all of this, Kyle, is you don't know about the status of Kyler Murray. Yeah, he's been in the facility rehabbing, but when is he coming back? Is it the start of the season, midseason, later in the season? How do you construct a roster and try to build towards this season, or is it future seasons? Yeah, I think you always prepare for the worst. I mean, look, from all indications, Kyler's here all the time working on his rehab. He's been diligent. Um, so, you know, you can hope that he'll be back early in the season, the start of the season, but hope's a real bad strategy. So, um, you know, that, that's another area that needs to be addressed. Who's going to be under center for our first game? And, um, you know, there's a lot of unanswered questions, but, you know, that's the exciting thing about NFL offseasons. You, you start to put some of the pieces on the puzzle and, and start to get an idea of what your team's going to look like. For all the latest coming out of Indianapolis and the scouting combine, go to azcardinals.com. Special thanks behind the scenes, our executive producer, Jim Omohundro, technical director, Cody Fincher, for Kyle Bannenbosch, Paul Calvisi, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you in one week's time here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. 15-10-5, touchdown, Zach Ertz. Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score, touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown, Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.